Many of us have been caught up in the brouhaha of curtain happenings as it relates to our nation and really the whole world. This is by design, and it is the design of those who seek power and control above all else. They are the power brokers of the secular world, and they have no taste for the things of God. It is not a fault to be aware of current happenings, but our awareness should be first of his kingdom. We cannot allow ourselves to be caught up in the divisive rhetoric of today's current political climate. Taking part in the argument, no matter the side, makes us a combatant against our brother instead of a peacemaker like our father. I'm going to say that again. I highlight it. When I wrote it, I always finish my last outline Sunday mornings. And when I wrote it, it hit me hard. Taking a part in the argument, no matter the side, makes us a combatant against our brother instead of a peacemaker like our father. And that is precisely the plan, divide and conquer. Now, I'm going to preface everything I'm going to say today with this. I hope you vote and I, believe, I hope that you have convictions and I hope that you believe. What I, what I hope that you don't do is allow um, things politically to divide you from your brother and sister. Because Jesus said one day, it was funny, he said... If you come to the altar and bring a gift to the altar, while you're kneeling down bringing your gift to the altar, if you remember that you have an offense with your brother or your brother has an offense with you, leave the gift at the altar. The thing that you bring to God, let's just call it worship or praise or whatever, just leave it there at the altar. Go and make things right with your brother and then come again and then I'll receive your gift. Which tells me that God puts a premium on unity with the brethren above even what we give to him. If we're willing to divide based on our political lines and say, well, this one believes the way that this one believes and I believe what I believe so we can't be in unity, well, then the enemy wins. This is, this is you know it. This is the oldest plan there is when it comes to warfare, divide and conquer. I'm okay with you having convictions. I'm okay with you having beliefs. I have my own and I won't share them all the time. Uh, you find when you share your heart too much um, with everybody... I should say it this way. When Jesus went into the garden, think about this. Jesus took 11 disciples into the garden. But then when he went a little further, a little deeper into the garden, he only took three. Did that mean that he neglected the other six? No, but he took the other three. And then he went on into the garden on by himself. Which is to say there are times in life where you can bring everybody with you. There are other things that you, in your circle that you better only share with certain friends. And there's some things you're going to have to go through by yourself. And the sooner you learn that, the better off you're going to be. Jesus learned it, and he set a pattern for it. So I don't think it's a good thing for us to get on and share our intimate secrets on Facebook and on, and on Instagram and everything else. Because there's a good chance that what you believe today will, will not be exactly what you believe in three to five to ten years. Not only that, we, all, we always like to draw a line in the sand and, 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 and give our argument, never having heard what somebody else has to say about it. I, I, I hope that you don't think that I came to preach for amens this morning because I've already failed if that was the case. I, what I care about is that we're first aware of Father and His kingdom. Yes. Yes. If that's not the priority, if that's not our starting point, if we're trying to bend God to our side or bend God to our argument, we don't have any clue about the kingdom of God. And no wonder we're ineffective in our churches and in our cities and in our communities. 
Divide and conquer is precisely the plan. That's always been the plan. Please don't be so naive as to think that it, it's right versus left or good versus bad or right versus wrong. What we're seeing is the struggle over what we deem to be good or bad. It is literally like children fighting over the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. No matter who wins the argument, when you're fighting over the fruit that is on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil... No matter who wins the argument and gets the fruit, when you eat that fruit, you're going to die. Father created, you remember the created the garden? The Bible says, and God put a garden eastward in Eden. We always call it the garden of Eden as if Eden's the name of the garden. No, Eden's not the name of the garden. The garden was put in Eden. But anyways, he plants a garden. And he says, of all the trees of the garden, you can freely eat. Except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat it. Don't touch it lest you die. In the day that you eat of the tree of the knowledge of the, uh, uh, the fruit of, uh, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, in the same day you're going to die. And here's what we do. We stand at the base of that tree and we argue and we fight and we fight and we fight. And we finally win our argument. We've picked our fruit off that tree. We take a bite and we wind up dying. And we wonder, what in the world? Why are we not going anywhere? Anyways. No matter who wins the argument and gets the fruit of the tree as their trophy, the end result is always the same, death and destruction. We are children of a different kingdom. Is anybody besides me believe that you're children of a different kingdom? We are called to be the light of the world, not an additional darkness. We are his image bearers, and as such, it is imperative that we walk away from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and find our way back to the tree of life. We are, we are what we eat. And if we continue to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we will taste of death and destruction. But if we refuse to partake of that kingdom, if we refuse to partake of that fruit and instead eat of the tree of life, we will reproduce life and the same life that was in the tree. Our constant focus cannot be on death, destruction, and futility of the worldly systems. We must refocus, recalibrate our hearts towards the things of the kingdom. Jesus lived in a time, now I'm going to give you precedent, I'm going to read some scripture, and, and then I'm going to declare some things prophetically, and then I guess we'll go home. Some of y'all are going to KFC. I don't really know why I said the KFC thing. It's kind of popped in my brain, and someone stole my bang. In there beside the couch, is, my, is there a rain, a juice in there beside the couch? Jesus lived in a time where the world was dominated by Rome, one of the great empires of the world. His own homeland was a part of Rome's occupation. I shared yesterday that everyone wanted Jesus to become a political figure. He had all the necessary qualities needed to lead, but instead he spent his life speaking about another kingdom. It frustrated his followers that he wouldn't let his life be drawn into a political system that was flawed and ineffective and corrupt. Am I suggesting that we turned a blind eye or dead ear to the cries of those that have been wronged by our current political power structures? No. I'm actually saying quite the opposite. I'm saying that we are the answers to the cries of this generation. I know for an absolute fact 
that in this same building, and I'm not going to take shots either, I'm just wanna, I just want you to understand something. In this exact same building, we have people that think that Obama was the greatest president of all time, and we have people that believe that Trump was the greatest president of all time. And there could not be two more opposite men that have ever lived. I also have, in this church, people that say, it don't matter about Obama, and it doesn't really matter about Trump. What matters is Jesus is Lord, and I'm going to declare his lordship no matter who's in the White House. Does that mean that we... That, Thank you. Does that mean that we look, take a blind eye and that we turn a blind eye to the things that are happening in our culture where people have been wronged? Absolutely not. But we, we, must, we must approach things from a posture of sonship in the kingdom. We cannot, we cannot approach things from a posture of I'm on the right, I want to hit at the left, or I'm on the left, I want to hit at the right. We can't do that. If we do that, we, then in our own little segregated culture, we, then we, we've, 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 we've been divided and conquered. Are you telling me God didn't anoint Trump? What I'm telling him is he anointed you. Are you telling me God's, that God didn't anoint him? I'm telling you God anointed you. You don't think that Trump's going to change the world? I think you're going to change the world. You don't think Obama changed the world? I think he put you here to change the world. Whatever Trump does or doesn't do, and whatever Obama did or didn't do or does or doesn't do, whatever Hillary does or doesn't do, or whatever Joe Biden does or doesn't do, or whatever other figurehead name you would have put on it, that cannot be our focus. Because when that becomes our focus, we have dug our feet into one side, and we're going to take shots at people that have a whole different perspective. And they have a reason to have a different perspective. After today, if you're a visitor, you can say you came to Drewvine once. I know this isn't popular. I'm okay with not being popular. I've lived most of my life not popular. I'm pretty sure I can handle it. We must approach everything having to do with this kingdom as though we are ambassadors of a different kingdom because we are. I think you should vote. Go vote. Go vote your conscience. Pray about it. Let the Spirit speak to you and put on that ballot whoever you think should be and whatever. I'm for that. What I'm not for is saying if that person votes for this guy and I voted for someone different, we're going to be separate and I won't talk to him or have anything to do with him anymore. That is division and that is the plan of the enemy. And we have to fix that here in the church house long before it gets fixed up there where the bunch of children that call themselves Congress are playing. And I don't care if there's a D, an R, or an I beside their name, or an L beside their name. It doesn't matter to me. Do you really think the world's going to get changed by a bunch of people that are getting paid millions and millions of dollars to sit around and do nothing and act like they're doing something? No. It's going to change from the ground up. It's going to change as we as sons and daughters of God say, I refuse to be divided along political or racial or cultural lines. This is what Jesus was doing. He lived in the time of the Roman occupation. They literally owned the earth. And they owned it by domination and by force. And, and so they would be, Jesus, have you come to topple Rome? Jesus, have you finally come? Like David, remember? David, you know, he freed his, he was a great and mighty warrior. He was known. They sang songs about him. Saul has killed thousands, but David is tens of thousands. They thought Jesus would come riding a triumphant horse with a sword. Instead, he comes in on a donkey. Preaching the gospel of peace. He would say things like this. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my angels fight. But my kingdom is not of this world. And when we, when we dig our feet in and we say, my kingdom is on the Republican Party, by God. Because we're conservative. And that's the way it's going to be. 
Or if we say, my kingdom's liberal because I'm sick of those stupid conservatives not letting us go, so I'm progressive. And that's where we dig in. We've completely missed the boat altogether, and we've become a part of this divisive culture that is a plan of the enemy to keep us from doing what we were called to do. What we're to say is, I am a son of God first. I am a daughter of God first. I have within me the glory of God. I am an image bearer. And as an image bearer, I didn't come to take sides. I came to declare the victory that Jesus won. Let's go conquer the nations and you can't conquer your own thoughts. Jesus would not bend to the political structure or culture of his days. He refused to do it. He was trying to, say, he was trying to show a better way. In fact, he would even look at church leaders and say, you don't know it, but the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We are the answer to the cries of this generation. This generation is hungry for life, and they're starving for validation. But if someone is starving, and the tree that we are closest to in proximity is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we're going to be tempted to offer the hungry that food. And that's just going to make their plight even worse. Better to be hungry and alive than to have your belly filled with that which will bring death. You look at it. People are starving. This generation, turn on your TV. Or, or, or better yet, turn it off. But if you turn it on, you're going to look at a bunch of children, a bunch of kids in 20s. And that they're looking, they're starving for validation. And they should be because many of them have been ignored by the power structures that have long ruled our land. That is a fact. That's not the way someone has spun it. That's a fact. And yet, if we do this politically, if we try to validate them with some sort of a political maneuvering, they're still going to wind up dying because that's feeding them from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What we need to do is say, you're validated the moment you were born because you are an image bearer. You were created in his image and after his likeness and you have within you the innate ability to create. When we read in Genesis, the very first picture that we have of God, in the beginning, God created. When you read that, it's, it's called, it's, when we read about God in the, in the, in the very first, it's the law of first, of first mention. The very first mention of God in the, in the scripture is God as creator. And we look around and see all these problems and wonder, what can I do? You have within you the innate ability to create, to create answers for the problems of yours. And what we've done so far ain't working. If you think what we're doing is working, then obviously you are completely and utterly disconnected from the systems. Or from reality. Better to be hungry and alive than to have your belly filled with that which will bring death. What would be best is for us, the offspring of God, the bearers of his image and glory, to offer the fruit from the tree of life. To offer birth into an alternative kingdom, the kingdom of God. To refuse anymore to eat of or to offer fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But instead to eat from the tree which is in the midst of the garden, the tree of life. Now, as for kingdoms, we are not from or to be part of the kingdoms of this world. Our identity is from a different kingdom. The kingdom of heaven. But what is it? And when is it? And what's it like? And how do we get there? That's the question. If we are citizens of another kingdom. If Jesus standing on the dirt of earth. 
looks and says, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And all we have heard most of our lives is heaven is a place where we get a big house one day when we die. No wonder we're miserable. You know what? By God, I'm going to give myself an offering on that one. That's good preaching. If all that we believe and all that we hope for and all that we live for is to get a house one day. And God, just hear me. I hope you get your house. I honestly do. But surely to God, when Jesus said, boys, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he was not talking about it's at hand and one day I'm going to die and I'm the master builder. So I'm going to go build you a house just like my house in where the father is. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, that's the first thing he said, our Father. Not just mighty warrior, he is. And not just God, he is. But our Father. Not my Father, our Father. Who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done when I die one day and go off into glory. That's not what it says. I'm not trying to take away. Let me, if anything, let me add to what you believe for a house in the sky one day. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. The Bible is another scripture that says heaven is God's throne and the earth is footstool. Which is to say the place where God rules from is heaven. The place where he rules from is heaven. So thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth just like it is in heaven. So you rule in earth as you rule on your throne which is in heaven. That means you rule the throne of my mind. You rule my thoughts. What's the kingdom? I told you before. The royalty. The rule, the realm, and the reign. That's what kingdom means. Look it up in your concordance. Kingdom. The, the royalty of God come in earth like it is in heaven. The reign of God come in earth like it is in heaven. Royalty, rule, the rule of God come in earth like it is in heaven. The realm of God come on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus did not come so that you could one day get to heaven. Jesus came and brought heaven to you. And he says, here it is. Look around. I mean, I, so, uh, some of you have done it. This past week, there were double rainbows. And there were people that took pictures off their back deck looking down or looking down at the lake. The pictures of your wife and your daughters looking down at the lake and the sunshine. Of, what in the world? That's absolutely gorgeous. Why in the world are we hoping this place gets destroyed and hope for a better one? What we need is to bring that here. Just walking backwards in case anybody comes up to attack. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. This is Jesus' words, by the way. Or as Prophet Sidney Smith would say, this is the red word, deal with it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant. Seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had, and he bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet, which was cast into the sea, and gathered some of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to the shore, and they sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but threw the bad away. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come forth, separate the wicked from among the just, and cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. 
Excuse me. And Jesus said unto them, Have you understood all these things? And they said, Yes, Lord. Then he said to them, Therefore, every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out his treasure, uh, things new and old. Now, Passion Translation, the same thing. Parables of hidden treasure and extraordinary pearl. Heaven's kingdom realm can be illustrated like this. A person discovered that there was hidden treasure in a field. Upon finding it, he hid it again because of uncovering such treasure. He was overjoyed and sold all that he possessed to buy the entire field just so that he could have the treasure. Turn to somebody and say, the Lord's willing to deal with my dirt as long as he gets all of me because there's a pearl inside. God's okay with the dirt. God's okay with the mud. God's okay with all the other stuff because he knows deep down inside. Buried deep down inside. When everybody else looks, all they see is a big heap, a dirt pile, a heap of dirt. But he sees a pearl of great price. And not only does he love it, he was willing to sell everything that he had in exchange for the whole field. Not just the pearl, but he'll sell to buy the whole field and, and because of the pearl that's in the middle. Well, God couldn't use me. I'm not pure. Neither was all the land. But he didn't care about that. He don't care about the dirt, G. What he cares about is the pearl that's inside. Heaven's kingdom realm was also like a jewel merchant in search of rare pearls. When he discovered one precious and exquisite pearl, he immediately gave up all that he had in exchange for it. Heaven's kingdom realm is also like a jewel merchant. I'm sorry. In search of rare pearls, when he discovered one very precious and exquisite pearl, he immediately gave up all that he had in exchange for it. I love verse 44. Heaven's kingdom realm can be explained this way. A person discovered that there was a hidden treasure in a field. Upon finding it, oops, sorry. Upon finding it, he hid it again. Because of uncovering such treasure, he was overjoyed and sold all of his possession to buy the entire field just so that he could have the treasure. Don't you see? You are the treasure. Me? You. Well, you wouldn't say that if you know what I did last night. That's the dirt. That's not the pearl. If you, knew, if you knew how I acted last week, you probably wouldn't be calling me that. Yes, I am. And Jesus is completely and utterly willing to bankrupt heaven to buy the whole field for the pearl that's inside. Jesus found deep within you a hidden treasure. And he's willing to buy you dirt and all for that treasure. What is the pearl within? What is the pearl within? What does Jesus see? Is it my innate goodness? No. Nope. What is the pearl of great price that Jesus was willing to bankrupt heaven, give his life for to purchase? What is it? I'm going to tell you what it is. It's the image of his father that is inside of every human being that has ever been born. And because he knows how to look deep beyond the dirt and see his own image, he was willing as it, to bankrupt and, and give all that he had to redeem Think about the word redeem. It's not a hard word. Read the entomology of words. You ever look these words up? Re means what? To do again. Or again. Deem. It talks about worthiness. It speaks of being worthy. So he redeemed. Originally in the garden we were deemed worthy of being image bearers. And then here comes an enemy and he scatters uh, seed and he scatters tares. And, and now we're all grown up and we look and all we see is a bunch of dirt. And Jesus said, no, I'm going to redeem. The image of Father that is inside of every one of you. When you talk about people, when you hate on Trump, did you know that he's an image bearer? Or when you hate on Obama, did you know that he's an image bearer? <gasps> Not Obama. 
not Trump. Image bearers. I was hoping that I was hoping that I would get this this reaction. I'm gonna give you some of the reactions I've seen today. I want to get my phone out one day without y'all knowing and just film some of the reactions. <laughs> this is one of them. My wife is this one. I, I really couldn't care less about if you love one or the other. It doesn't matter to me. I couldn't care less if I hurt your feelings when I said that wasn't your Savior. Neither one of those men are your Savior. Jesus is the Savior. What, even what? No, not Duke players. God doesn't like them. <laughs> Duke players are loved by God. They're just very deceived. No. Jennifer, you still love me, right? Okay. He sees his father's image in you. Yes, you, you see dirt. He sees treasure. And he's never been put off by your dirt. I'm finishing. He's so enthralled with the treasure that is within you that he sold all he had to purchase you. That's what the kingdom looks like. A kingdom where you are valued for the treasure within and not devalued because you have dirt in your life. In these perilous times, we must come to a place where we see as he sees. He sees the treasure within and we must recognize that same treasure in ourselves and in others. I believe that treasure is the image of God himself. Our original inheritance. These are things, traits, genes. There are genes and things and traits that I have inherited from my parents. There are things that I do and things that I've done where my mom, in fact, last week she said, boy, you, won't, you might not want to admit it, but you're a lot like your daddy. I don't know why I wouldn't want to admit that. I think my dad's wonderful, was wonderful, you know. There are, there are times I have told Elizabeth, God, you're acting like your daddy right now. Huh? But that's the dirt part. <laughs> the pearl part is her mom. <laughs> no, you know, how many of you have children? You've said, God, if you don't stop acting like you're daddy. It's funny. Is this, is this going on in every family? Here's the thing. When our children do something that's good or that's, uh, that's noble or whatever, Elizabeth's like, God, my sons are wonderful. Cod my daughter, can't my daughter sing? But if they get in trouble or they're rascals or scandalous, you better get your kids in here right now and deal with, like, they're only mine when they're messing up. But they're hers when they're wonderful. And everybody's singing their praises. And she's like, they're my children. Look what I've created. And they're acting up. It's like, well, if they'd have done what I said instead of acting like their daddy. But there are, there are traits that my children have innately, that, they, that maybe they're learned, but most likely, they're genetic. <laughs> they get them from their daddy, or they get them from the mama, because they are like us, because they were created in our image, and because they live in our home. It is the same with the children of God. There are things that are true about you that have nothing to do with what you have done or what you have not done. It's true about you because of what your father has done. And what we have got to learn to do is to begin to judge each other, not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And in the spirit, we're all sons and daughters of God. We are image bearers. We have within us his image. 
And Jesus saw it. And Father saw it and said, that's my image down in there. And the enemy has them believing that they're enemies and they should fight each other. But that's not the case. That's not the case. I want you to go and I want you to get my image back. I want you to, get, I want you to bring it back. And, and, and father, son says to father, father, how do it? He said, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to send you down there, and I'm going to let you taste of death for every man. I'm going to let you become death. I'm going to let you become sin. That, that, because if you become sin, then they'll become righteous. He that knew no sin was made sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. i tell you how I'm going to redeem it. I'm going to send the sinless, spotless Son of God, and He's going to go redeem them all. So I'm going to have a sinless, spotless family. God had a son, but he wanted a family, so he planted the son, and he reaped a family. We have to think this way. We have got to approach life, not on Sunday mornings, but every day of our life, when we, with that person that we don't agree with and we don't like politically and drives us insane, that is an image bearer of God. And you better be careful how you talk about them. All good parents, all good parents would want to defend their sons and daughters, even if they're wrong. Hopefully a real good parent would make sure that they knew they were wrong and not do it again. But all good parents want to defend sons and daughters. All good parents want, want what's best. What do you think the Heavenly Father wants for us? Do you actually think that He wants to allow our minds to be manipulated by, by the news media or by social media? So that we say, well, I can't believe He just put that on Facebook, that little demon. The three of you that just laughed, you had that thought this past week, didn't you? I don't know why that little hussy put what she put on Facebook. I know what she's like. A little whore of Babylon putting all of her stuff on Facebook as if she is. No, she's an image bearer. And you better learn to speak to the image of God that's inside of those people. You better learn to see the image of God inside your brothers and sisters. Because if you don't and you judge them wrongly, then you're going to heap a whole lot of stuff back on your own life. I'm going to finish reading my notes, and, uh, and then somebody's taking me to lunch. Can we eat again? What's the new thing? Are we allowed to eat at restaurants, or they close that back down, too? I'm not trying to be funny. I really don't know. Anyways, we're ordering in. We're ordering out, babe. Okay, well, that must work. Excellent. Excellent. Well, okay. You see why we need the image bearers? You see why I need people with the mind of God in the earth? Seriously. We, we literally need people. I, I prophesied to a little girl down in Georgia that she was going to go into politics. God knows we need some. They're image bearers, but a lot of them are just dumb. I thought I'd say something that'd give you a chance to say amen for the first time today. Nobody took me up on it. I don't know. Just being an image bearer does not necessarily mean you got common sense. In these perilous times, let me finish. We must come to a place where we see as he sees. He sees the treasure within, and we must recognize that same treasure. Eli, come play something beside Superman real quick. Last week, I was literally ministering, and Eli comes up, and honest to God, if the boy didn't start playing Superman theme, I may or may not have played Beauty and the Beast a time or two in my day. But it had a prophetic meaning. 
It was funny. After church last week, Joey's like, so did you hear what he played? And it fit perfectly too. And then he says, <laughs> I feel like it's the opening of a movie. <laughs> it's going to be a great altar call. People are going to float to the altar. <laughs> we must see ourselves and each other in the way that the Father sees us. Our original inheritance is the image of God Himself. In some ways, the tra- traits and genes that I have caused me to look and act like my Father. So it is with the kingdom we have within us Father's DNA. We have inherited his spirit. Remember this. Paul says that the baptism in the Holy Ghost is the earnest of our inheritance. or Which is to say the down payment or the first part. Or one translation says the engagement ring on our finger. Which is to say there's a whole lot more coming. Elizabeth was not satisfied with just an engagement ring. Elizabeth was expecting to get the, the, the total package. I like that. I'm getting a t-shirt with it. No woman wants to be engaged for 17 years. Men, if you've been doing that, God bless you. I ain't trying to call you out right now. But if you've been engaged for 15 years, waiting for the perfect moment, dude, you missed it. When you put that ring on her finger, you better know she's the one and go ahead and plan on setting a date instead of stringing her along for five or six years. God, I hope nobody in the church is in that predicament. <laughs> this would be the Sunday a visitor would come and they've been engaged for like three and a half years. And she's like, let's set a day. I'm just waiting on God. <laughs> we have Father's DNA. We have inherited His Spirit and the fullness of all things. It would be foolish of us to sell our birthright as His image bearers in exchange for a false identity. You are not Republican or Democrat. You're a child from a different kingdom. I'm not suggesting you don't vote that way, but that's not my identity. My identity is a son of God. So is yours. I'm not suggesting you don't vote or anything of the sort. I'm saying your identity is first as a child of righteousness. And we must posture ourselves as citizens of the kingdom first, not as enemy combatants on the man-made political spectrum. As I look across the earth, I see a lot of dirt being thrown. I see darkness, but in the midst of the dark field, there is a treasure. And that treasure is Christ in you. And the Bible says that it's Christ in you that is the hope of glory, not the promise of glory, the hope of glory. The hope of glory. Christ in you. Was that just me or did I hear somebody whistle? Somebody actually whistled? Interesting. <laughs> Lord, I hear angels. Christ in you. The hope of glory. What are you telling us? I'm telling you, stop allowing your mind to be manipulated and separated from your brothers that don't think like you and that don't share your experience. There's a reason that we're in the times that we live in. And a lot of it genuinely has to do with the fact this is an election year. 
In fact, it wouldn't surprise me if about 70% of all the stuff we're facing right now is gone next year because nobody's getting elected next year. Are you saying, yep, that's what I'm saying. Shh. Read between the lines. What I'm also saying is just because of that, you can, you can make a whole lot of people that have been your family your whole life become enemies just like that because you took a stance for a political side instead of saying, nah, I refuse to be separated. I don't care who you vote for. What I care about is you have God's image inside of you, and you're my brother, and you're my sister, and I'm willing to stand beside you and fight for you to be validated. And here's how you're going to be validated. You're not going to be validated because somebody made a law that validates you. You're going to be validated when you say that Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin, that you could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If that don't validate you, nobody who's in the White House is going to work. Doesn't matter what laws are passed or what statues come down or what statues are erected in their place. None of that's where we find our none of that's where we find our identity. We find our identity from our heavenly Father, first and foremost. It was my right and my privilege to name my children with my wife. And we named them on purpose with the names that they have. In the same way, you have your father's identity, and he's named you, he's natured you, and that's what he wants you to act like. Not like a bunch of fools fighting over the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Give me that fruit. No, you give me that fruit. No, I won the fruit. It doesn't matter who wins. You eat the fruit, you die. And when we fight each other because of stupid political nonsense, we're killing ourselves. We're, we're kill- you think that's gonna, it's not going to fix anything. And, and those that you think are representing you, they're going to forget about you once the election cycle's over anyways. They don't care about you. They care about power. And the sooner you see it, the better it is. Well, I know Donald Trump cares about me. Dime to a dollar. You ain't never going to meet Donald Trump, and he wouldn't know your name if you spit it in his face. The same thing for Pelosi or any of the other ones. They don't know you, and they don't care about you. What they care about is power. What God cares about is you. He cares about you. And I'm not against Trump, and I'm not against the, I'm not against, I'm against being divided based on ideologies. That's okay to have opposing ideologies, but for God's sake, we're all image bearers. When are we going to stand up like sons and daughters of God and say, nah, I can't be manipulated, I hate my brother. Nah. No. I will not be manipulated by media to hate my brother. Is Cam still here? Cam, come up here if you don't mind staying with me. I like to use Cam because he's big and, you know, he's black and, you know, he's a better bass player than me. And We're a lot alike, but we're a lot different too. We haven't talked about politics any, have we? Not, not that I remember. I don't know what your politics are. You know what? I don't care what your politics are. You know what I do care? Is that I love you. I do. Do, do you love me back? You better. What'd you just say? You family. We're fa- God, you're taller than I thought you were. Hang on a second. Now, come over here and stand next to me. See, this is better. This is better like this. Get up. This is better. I don't, I've never, and I'm just trying to make it, I've never asked Cam what his politics were. And I hadn't said, hey, since you voted for this guy or you voted for that girl, we can't be friends anymore. That's stupid. That's dumb. I would have walked with you a few, a few weeks ago when you walked to protest injustice that has happened by some bad cops against people of color. I know that you would also say that every cop ain't a bad cop. He was almost a cop. They probably could have used you. You almost became a cop. Right. See, it, I only bring, I only bring and, and plus he's good looking. He's got the dreads going on and stuff. But I'm still a little bit better looking. But almost as dark as you now. Put it up there. 
I got some new kind of oil I laid out next to the pool the other day. This is not a joke. This is not a joke. And Elizabeth said, what color are you going to be? And I said, Cam, Cam Brown. I want to be Cam Brown. <laughs> you know I love you. I want to be Cam Brown. <laughs> By the end of the summer, I will be. When I came home from India my first time, it was hot. It was 120 degrees. That's not an exaggeration. 120 degrees. As God is, I have video somewhere where I was stepping on the asphalt on a road on the way to a city called Adonai. And when I stepped, it left my footprint in the road. That's how hot it was. It wasn't made for people like me. But when I came back, I was dark, and Bishop Johnson laughed at me. He said, boy, you look like an Indian. I had lost like 40 pounds. I was little. Not, not, like, a, not like, I mean, I was little, 130 pounds. You just stay on that side. I'm staying over here. How many of you are going to come up and ask Cam after church what his particular politics are? Nobody? How many people in this church love, I'm just, I know Cam, I can use him because everybody knows Cam. How many people love Cam in this place? Right. Marquitas, he's a, I do. <laughs> uh, shh, we don't need to know about that. <laughs> but we know, we know, we know that you love it. That means, that means we've made a start. Peter, would you come up? This is a new friend of mine. We're Facebook friends and he's been in the church a few times now. This is Peter Diaz. I want to bring, I want to do this and then we're going to get out of here. Come, come stand right here. He's like, oh, I ain't as big as these guys. That's okay, man. We're not going to put you. This is a sandwich. This is a cam sandwich. <laughs> this is Peter Diaz. He's a friend of mine. We met on social media. He walks in the prophetic. He's from Puerto Rico. What part of Puerto Rico? Um, Mentoraria. Can't even pronounce it. Couldn't even try to say it if I wanted to right now. Mentoraria? San Juan, near San Juan. And now you live in Raleigh. Yeah. Right. When you came to our church a few weeks ago, or when you messaged me on Facebook, did I ask you a thing about your politics? You know what? I don't care. I know that you're a man of God. I know that you're an image bearer. I know that when I see you, see Christ. Right? Anything you want to say to these people? Have you, did you ask me about my politics? I said, here's what I said to him. I said, man, he said, can I come? I've moved recently from southern Florida to the Raleigh area and the research triangle. I'd like to come because we've been a few years now probably, friends on Facebook. And I said, yeah, come. And he said, what's the church like? I said, well, we move in the spirit and the prophetic. He said, I'm there, essentially. Right. But you don't look like me, and I don't look like you. And you probably don't think like me, and I don't think like you, but I love you. And you're a brother in Christ. Right? If you go out to a garden of flowers, you don't want to see all the same color flowers. That would get boring. I like your accent, too. Say, uh, you speak Spanish fluently? Yeah. I want you to say this. Say, Josh is one of the greatest preachers ever. Say it in Spanish. <laughs> Why is that funny? Pastor Josué es uno de los mejores predicadores. God Almighty, amen. That's powerful, Peter. That's prophetic right there. That's prophetic. <laughs> Thank you for coming. You're always welcome here. If you're a member of True Vine and Peter's always welcome in our church, no matter, and I don't know what his politics, no matter anything that he's a brother of Christ, make him feel welcome this morning. If you think I'm a little bit bass player than Cam, clap your hands. <laughs> Love you, buddy. We have made enemies on social media of people we've never met. And don't say you haven't done it because I've, I've read the posts. We become a part of groups and we fight 
vehemently against people that we've never met. And there's no way that you can, there's no way that you can convey feeling in a Facebook post this big. In fact, I like the little meme that goes around when you said I I posted and the Holy Spirit said delete that. He probably did because he he probably realizes it's very hard to convey emotion with a few words. Stop going to fight with your brothers and sisters. Stop being manipulated. I don't care what your politics are. Your politics are the politics of the kingdom. Right? You love people. You want them to walk in their identity as sons and daughters in Christ. That's all I need to know. Cam, you love people. You love God. You want people to walk in their, in their God-given calling, and so do I. That's all I need to know. If you continue to let them divide, then you're going to see a country within the next 20 years that looks nothing like what it's looked like. And I don't mean that in a good way. Charles Johnson stood on our platform years ago and says, if we continue to be divided this way, socially, uh, economically, and racially in our country within 20 years, we'll look like a third world country. Look around. Tell me it's not, it's not happening because it's happening because we refuse to be, to stay united. We are supposed to be the united states, the united people of America. So stay united, refuse to take part in their stupid little fights. They're paid to create division. See it for what it is, and for God's sake, stop taking part in it. Stand for something. Have principle. I'm for all of that. But your principle should be the principles of the kingdom. Your constitution should be the Sermon on the Mount. Amen. Amen. We're image bearers, and we are going, as a family, as a church, we are going to allow the reality of the goodness of God to emanate from us to all people and all nations of all backgrounds. That's what, that's what we're called to do. No one ever came to Jesus and was turned away. And he never qualified them by what they were or what they did or who they hung out with. In fact, that's what church people do. If you knew where she had been, you wouldn't let this woman be anointing your feet. And Jesus says, when I came into your house, you didn't anoint my feet. And you didn't anoint, but since the time I came in, this woman has not stopped anointing my feet with her tears. And she's dried them with the hairs of her head. The very one you're attacking on Facebook is the very one Jesus probably wants you to be united with. And the enemy knows and he's going to divide you if he possibly can. I don't want to belabor the point. I've done it long enough. It's 1220 almost. I want us to make a commitment as a church. I want us to make a commitment as a family. To stop being a part of the argument. Not suggesting you change what you believe or don't believe, whatever. But what I am suggesting is, if you care more about whether the right wins or the left wins, then then Father being, being glorified, you're in the wrong seat. And you're in the wrong place and you will be left behind. You're going to be on the wrong side of history. I believe that we are in a revolutionary time in our country. I don't look around and say, oh my God, the world's coming to an end. I say the world as we know it's coming to an end because God is establishing his kingdom in the earth. And the kingdom is this, the the royalty, the rule, the realm, and the reign of God. And I'm going to be a part of that. I'm I'm going to be a part of that. I'm going to be a part of that establishment. I'm going to be a part of a company of people that stops the judgmental BS. Oh. You said worse on the way to church. Don't go there with me. Don't even go there with me. If you knew how to read your Bible, you would know Paul used the same words. Skabolum is the Greek word. Look it up. You don't believe me. Go look it up. Skabolum. Stop with it. 
And for God's sake, walk in your calling as sons and daughters of God. Love people. Lord, have we not cast devils out and done many wonderful things in your name? He said he would look and say, I never knew you. What is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And Jesus said, that's right. And the second one's just like it. I told you last week, and I'll say it forever. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. If you're not willing to hear what they have to say as much as you want to say what you've got to say, you're not loving your neighbor. I'm trying to find a place to land this plane. I don't guess now would be a a good time to ask if you don't know Jesus to come to the front. Jesus knows you. He knew you before you were born. He knew you before you messed up. He still was willing to bankrupt heaven to go buy the field for the pearl that's within you. Father, let's stand right now in the name of Jesus. We are citizens of a kingdom. We are sons and daughters first. We do not take our identity from the left or from the right. We take our identity from Father God. If we're going to judge, if we're going to adjudicate, it's going to be on the basis of our sonship, on the basis of our God-given DNA, and not because of what we saw the news media warp our minds to believe. We will love our brothers that don't look like us and we will love our sisters that don't look like us or act like us or have the same background or anything else. We'll not judge each other based on race or based on economic circumstance or, or anything else. We, would, we will look at each other and judge each other based on the finished work of the cross that says we're all equal. We're all loved and we are all children of God. And I pray, Father, that this would be a prophetic people, Lord. I declare and prophesy that this would be a prophetic moment, that this would be a revolutionary moment in the way that we respond to what's happening in culture, Lord. That we would no longer take sides and fight against those on the opposite side, but say, no, I'm a son of God and she's a daughter of God. And he's a son of God and we will join together to see kingdom come in the earth right now. Let it be so in Jesus' name. Let it grip the hearts and the minds of everybody in this building and say, I'm not going to be divided. We will be united. And let your glory emanate from us, from our hearts, from our words, from our thoughts. Help us to say no to the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil from this day forward because it's killing us. And help us to find our way back to the tree of life. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. Thank you for this moment in time. Thank you for the hidden treasure. Help us all to discover it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You are valuable and you're a treasure to God. God bless you. God love you. Hug about 17 people or Corona bump them or whatever it is that you do. And we hope to see you next Sunday here about 1030.